You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 16 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you from our home at the Sagem Public Library in Holbrook, New York. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The Library Pros podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe on our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, Google Play, and most any other podcatcher. Links and notes from today's podcast can be found on our website at www.thelibrarypros.com, on Twitter at, at @thelibrarypros, or on Facebook at facebook.com/thelibrarypros. Today joining us via Google Hangout is Jeff Stradler, who is coming to us today from the Salmon Public Library in Salmon, Idaho. Can you believe it? Idaho. I'm hungry. <laughs> Don't even Salmon. start with the jokes. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Nice. So welcome to the podcast, Jeff. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Um, we had a little... Minor technical difficulties. They don't before, know that, but, but it's okay. No, it's all part know, of the process. See, Jeff, here's the problem. Here's where it comes. They don't know the users. Uh, the viewers don't know that, so don't tell them. Okay, we I didn't, no problems. We're starting just about on time. <laughs> Welcome, Jeff. This is going to be a Thank great you. podcast. So today we're going to talk to uh, Jeff about um, working in a public library in Idaho and about their new podcasting studio, which got our attention. Uh, we saw it over on Twitter. Looks nice. And uh, it's something we're it's, a little envious of, right? It's better than ours. Well, <laughs> But before we talk to Jeff about, uh, the Salmon Pub- about the Salmon Public Library and all the great things happening there, we want to find out more about Jeff and his background. So you ready for your, your, uh, your interrogation here, Jeff? Yes, I can't wait. Cue the, <laughs> cue the bright light. Turn the bright yeah. light on behind you. It's, you know. Okay, so um, are you originally from Idaho? No. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania area, northeast of Philadelphia. I uh, left after university out to Los Angeles and spent my formidable uh, adult years out in Los Angeles. And then somehow via throwing a dart at a map, ended up in Salmon, Idaho. Did you really throw a dart at a map? No, but it felt like it. I mean, I don't know what you guys know about Idaho, but I probably knew about as much as you prior to uh, moving here. Uh, my wife and I moved here sight unseen. Um, she was looking for an AmeriCorps Vista job, and the people at Salmon Valley Stewardship made a great pitch uh, for a local foods AmeriCorps Vista. And it was a year contract, and we said, hey, you know, what the heck, let's just do it. We've um, traveled a lot in our lives, and... Uh, you know, one year doesn't seem so scary, so we just pretty much packed up and moved and, you know, rolled into town without ever having been in Idaho uh, prior. That's awesome. That's crazy. I don't have the guts to do that. No. No. He answered our second Wait, question, Wait, we have to ask, too. though. We have to ask. Did you have any kids when you did this? No. No. See? That makes it that easier. That makes sense. That, that's everything. That's, that's awesome. right there. Do you have any yeah. kids now? No. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's, it still gives you the freedom to make kind of crazy decisions like that. Yes. Okay, so uh, you want to answer the SNS question number three over there? Well, he answered number two. He How did, did you end up in Salmon, right? So tell us about your background, please. Um, yeah, so the background is, um, I guess, formally, uh, I have a computer science um, background, so programming and things like um, you know, computer software uh, to that nature, but I never did anything with it. So when I moved out west to Los Angeles, I immediately started working at Sony Pictures Studios. 
and uh, was in sound post-production. Shocking that I'm now sitting in a podcasting studio. studio. <laughs> so I guess you can only, you know, leave your past behind for so long. So I did that for about 13 years and, um, and I brought it here to uh, the library. Wow. That is really cool. So what drew you, I mean, you talked a little bit about why you went to Salmon, but what drew you to the library? I mean, <clears throat> I needed uh, a job. <laughs> now we have to edit. See, now we have to edit. A job he loved. Uh, he needed a job, a job he, he was going to love. That's that's better. Okay. Oh, yeah, you have to edit that. See, no, edit that, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, obviously, I was following my wife um, here, and I said, I'll figure out something to do. And, you know, my commute went from about two hours in Los Angeles to about 26 seconds to the library. So um, it was a pretty good upgrade to walk across the street and... Um, yeah, I have no background in library experience or at all. And I think the advantage of being in a small town allows me to kind of walk into a library and be able to um, do that. I don't know that I could have done that, obviously, in a big city or on Long Island, New York, like you guys. Yeah, I wonder how the Idaho people feel about us, uh, us three East Coast people talking about Idaho and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, your experience is going to be, you know, the boots on the ground thing. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there there's nothing like moving into a small town that's not doesn't have the experience to say like that maybe a big city does, but there's a lot of advantages to that too. So um, I don't know. The whole thing has been quite an experience and quite a ride, and uh, I'm still enjoying it. Now I don't know why I wasn't working at a library prior to what I was doing because I feel much more fulfilled working at this library than I probably did for 13 years working on a movie lot where people here are like, wow, you worked on a movie lot? That's really cool. Wasn't that exciting? <laughs> so. That's um, wow. Yeah. And we have a brand new building. I mean, that's the, also the other, it, I didn't start at this building, but we, this is a brand new facility. I think um, you guys were mentioning something like that about the pictures of this building. And um, uh, it's pretty amazing what this community is. It's a pretty special community to have, be able to, uh, fund something like this it's all bought paid for through grants f community fundraising and um yeah so we're free in the clear and it's, that's great it's, uh, that's really yeah cool. it's the yeah. it's the community yeah. hub it really is it's like yeah. the star on main street right now wow that really is great because you don't usually hear that about libraries and that's the true epitome of a community library it really is they're, they're yeah the, living the dream yeah yeah there was an article i think um you know um, I think one of our board members wrote, says it, it's called like, it takes a village. I mean, literally the day that we moved over, I think we had almost every kid in town making a line, walking books from our old library to our new library, like wow. in this, you know, amazing fashion. So, uh, yeah, it's really community driven and, um, uh, there's a huge buy-in in that factor to our library and what we uh, represent here. Yeah. You can go next, Bob. Oh Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. So tell us more about how libraries drive you. And I guess they drove you all the way to Idaho. So we got to hear yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, prior to working at a library, I don't know how I would have answered that question. Now working at a library, it seems um, a lot more self-evident because I'm behind the scenes and I kind of see how people uh, utilize the library. I think my favorite part about the library is that it's, plays a huge role, at least in our community, I don't know about in your community, um, for non-traditional forms of education. Mm -hmm. And 
we, we have this great flexibility to be able to um, do things that say the public schools can't do or offer services that they can't offer um, just through their red tape and whatnot. Um, but that, that really drives me the ability that we have a huge role in um, facilitating education outside of the uh, outside of the schools. And we can make a huge impact with a lot of kids because again, this is our community center. So after school, they come here and hang out and you know we kind of get to take over from there, which is um, really fun. And that really is a, in, in talking with teen librarians, because I work in the adult department, um, that, that is a real component to libraries now. Yeah. We, we, I, see, we see I, yeah. it here all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I just continue to look for ways of, of how to, um, I guess, exploit that, you know, since they're showing up here, what in which ways can we um, motivate it, motivate them and drive them? And that's also part of the um, premise to this podcast studio, well, multi-purpose studio, I would like to call it, um, uh, that I've kind of created. I'm hoping that this adds some extra drive to them um, to learn a new skill, uh, explore, create, make, do whatever. But um, it's better to me than sitting behind a computer and playing a computer game. So that's definitely true. Uh, so it, it, this is kind of off-roading a little bit. Uh, I know that here in New York, uh, to work in a as, at least full-time in, in a public library, with the exception of um, like libraries like like Bob has, uh, this is a civil service requirement. You have to take a test and pass a test and get hired off a civil service list. Is that something that's happened in your library too? No, I just had to have a heartbeat. <laughs> a warm, warm, warm body. Right? Yeah, well, they, just, they, they just stick a mirror under your nose and make sure you have breath. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys laugh, but I mean, uh, it was just recently at our Salmon Education or Lemhi Education Summit. That's the county we are in. And um, there was a past uh, teacher giving the keynote speech there. And when he first got hired, I don't know, 40 years ago, that was what he said, basically their test for hiring even teachers. Um, we are so remote. I mean, maybe I'll just clue in the uh, general audience that would be listening. Um, Salmon isn't your typical place that you would find pretty much in any of the lower 48. Uh, I've done some digging and um, I think we're two and a half hours from a major interstate. Uh, we might be the most remote town over 2000 in population in the lower 48. So wow. um, it's hard to get it's hard to it's hard to get people here. That's incredible. That's and that's OK. That's the way this community kind of likes it, too. You know, they like the people that are drawn to this place are more remote and isolated and like yeah. it like that. Can we go now? Sounds like great. <laughs> sounds like a great time. It sounds like a vacation. It does. I want to come back, though. So, yeah, my wife says uh, we went from 17 million to 3000 and it was an upgrade. Right. Yeah. You I know, what? I, I believe it, too. Sure. You know, that, and that's a great segue into the next question. You know, how large, I know you just said 3,000, but how much, you know, what, how large is the community, you know, that you, the library serves, and what percentage do you think of the population actually uses the library? Well, as far as I know, um, you know, the numbers always kind of change. Uh, since we're a district library, we actually have another smaller branch uh, about 45 minutes away from us, and I think that's only a town of like 400, but the overall county that we serve is like 7,500. Um, the funny statistic that I like to give people is I think in our county, we're outnumbered by cows 10 to one. <laughs> so um, that should give you kind of just a, 
you know, visual of what uh, what the population is. And then out of that population, I've heard from our state um, library, I think we have one of the most active libraries in the state of Idaho as far as patron usage. Um, I mean, I'm counting normally just hand counting throughout the day, you know, uh, we get about 150 people through our doors every day and we only have like 3000 people here. So um, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that is, incredible. That is, that's some population too. It's such yeah. a small population. And have a branch that's 25 miles away? Yeah. Oh, it's it, about 45. It's about 45 miles away. 45 miles oh, away. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's the Queen's line for us. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so go ahead, Bob. May I? So how many staff members work for the library, and how many are librarians versus other staff? Wow. And I guess I would... what defines a librarian right um other staff we're not even that you know we're not even that big so i think we have seven people that work here we have a director that's full-time and then i believe the rest of us are all part-time um we have uh, somebody that does our bib records uh i guess i handle all things technology web related um and then we have somebody that everybody wears a thousand hats here you're you're I know, uh, Chris, you said you were the, you know, work in the adult um, library section. I mean, we have like, everybody's got to do everything here. Kids librarian, teen librarian. We don't have specialties. It's just come in and put out a fire. Wow. Wow. So what's your typical week like? I guess, do you get into this? I don't want to jump ahead. No, you can get, go ahead. But what's your typical week like as far as hours go? So how many hours would you put in in a typical week? I'm probably putting in on the books about 22 hours, off the books, maybe close to 40. I was going to say like (laughs) 700 make you look better, but, you know. know, Yeah, no, it feels like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to. I mean, like there's there's just no way when you're – because our library is actually now increased in, you know, to a city block or whatever – just a lot more square footage. Um, if you're the only person in the library and you're running the, uh, the circulation desk, right. there's just no other time for to do any other programming or technology or whatever else that I'm interested. You just can't do it. You have to do it um, off hours. Yeah. So do I, does anybody, but I mean, does the director have a, like a master library science degree or? You don't need one, I believe. You know, huh? it, it, and that's interesting because I know in New York State, uh, after speaking to the people up in North Country, right? Um, if you serve a population under a certain amount, you yep. don't have to have an MLS. Wow. And if you have, you may just need a college degree. And if the population is even smaller, right. you just need a high school diploma to run a library. Wow! And that's You're, that's New York State. I don't know yeah. about that's, I, I, Idaho as well. That's what I heard when I was here. If you serve a certain population, you just need a college degree. It doesn't need to be, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's why they hand it up in North Country. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's why I learned yeah. when I was in Canton. So it's, you know, I guess rural libraries. Are, are you plugging another podcast? Oh, you mean episode two? Well, I'm surprised the you haven't mentioned the, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the Sachem Public Library. I right? didn't say, I didn't I say that. You Jeff did. About it. I told Jeff about it. You told him about the I whole drinking supposed, game. Yeah, we're and, supposed to dink glasses and everything. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about you guys. What, like, how big is your population that you serve? And, you know, I mean, you're in on. Well, we, Bob wow, works wow. in a different library for me. He works in the M.S. Clark Library, that's Memorial right. Library. That's right. Yeah, you say it right. That's right. M.S. Clark. M.S. Clark Memorial Library. That's right. Up yeah. in Setauket, New York, that's which right. is on the north shore of, of um, Suffolk County. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we serve me. about about 48,000 oh uh, up there. So, And I think, Sachem, you guys are bigger. Much bigger. Yeah, much bigger. Well, all right. Let's get. Let's not get it. Well, no. It, it, oh, we're geographically, much bigger. Blah, blah, blah. I got no, a garden relax, and all that now. Relax yeah, now. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact yep. size, but it's it's a it's a very it's one of the largest library districts in New York State. Wow, that put your staff at like 150 or something crazy. Um, I wouldn't say 150. We're definitely over 100. I think wow. we're over 100. And they have a garden. Yes, we have a garden. Oh, yeah. Well, the garden's nice. It yeah, is nice. It is. That's beautiful. Beautiful garden. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually really nice. At the Sagem Public Library. Oh, see, he's breaking oh, my but chops listen, around. I'm, you know, just giving you credit. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. been around. I've been yeah. sick. Yeah, that's right. You, you were Batman. I'm, I was Batman. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. So you don't know this, but the last two weeks or or three podcasts or two podcasts. Two podcasts. Oh, I was just had bronchitis. Like, forget it. So. So oh, we we this made fun my... of him in his absence by saying, "I'm Bob." And I'm not here because I'm Batman. I am the Batman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Bob, I bet you those podcasts suffered with with missing you, right? Uh, probably not. No, they're probably better off. Right? <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, they didn't have any like you know comedic commentary on the side, but no. So. No, it was the more color, like it, the color man. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. He's I'm the straight man. Okay. Well, now that we've learned more about the library and a little bit about you, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about um, you know how you're developing technology over at Salmon Public Library, how it develops in a rural area, and we're going to talk about your brand-new podcast-slash-multipurpose studio. So we'll be back in just a moment. Okay, well, welcome back. We're with Jeff Stradler from the Salmon Public Library in Salmon, Idaho. So let's get right to it and uh, talk about Salmon, its library, technology, and podcasting. And that great podcasting, uh, you have to call it the multipurpose studio, I guess, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I guess, the... Legal obligation. The legal obligation. Yeah. Okay, you can ask the first question, Bob. No, I can. Thanks. You can. Go for it. Where do I start? We are back with Jeff. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, right. it's called number one. I know. All right. So tell us where Salmon Public Library is uh, in regard with technology. So I guess uh, what, what technology do you have in place? Uh, connection to the internet, public access computers, Wi-Fi, catalog access, all that great stuff. Sure. I'll first just mention the name is Stratter, and I don't know why there's an L in there, but that's okay. Oh, I'll just, sorry. I always mess names you guys up. Can, L in there? You guys can edit that in post, right? right? Yeah, post. Yeah. <laughs> you just re-record my name and punch that in. I said it right. Um, Listen, I said it right. It's, like a Chuck, <laughs> it's a Chuck Norris name. It's like Jeff Stratter. It's like Chuck Norris. There you go. Like so you got Norris it. Is coming in the when he's not working in the library, he's and saving the, the world, so right? He doesn't know the beard I He's got grow. the beard. He's got the beard. I, for November, that's, you know the No Shave November? Full, yeah, full black, crazy beard. The, the yeah, beard is the beard, the is, beard a, is a requirement in Idaho, or else you immediately get kicked out. I'm ready. I'm starting. And that's the way to, yeah. to I guess, fly under the radar as an East East Coast person too, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they'll hear the accent, but you know, at least you uh, you got the beard going for you. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should answer your question. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, where are we in regards to technology? Um, man, how do I say this without just patting myself on the back? Um, there wasn't technology really that much prevalent here at the library, um, I guess, prior to me getting here. But that's part of the reason I think I was hired. Uh, the main reason was, um, I guess, they saw my experience at designing websites and 
they most actually most Idaho libraries uh, websites still feel like they're GeoCities slash 1998 websites. Ouch. Oh, man. Um, That's great. Yeah. I just had a chill. Yeah, one long streaming, like, page where you just keep scrolling and scrolling, and, um, yeah, it's not good. Uh, So that was my first task of kind of just upgrading the website and, um, I don't know, trying to bring – I always like to try to bring more self-sufficiency to the library through technology. Um, That's just how I am. I want to be able to interact without – needing to ask a thousand people questions of how to do something. So uh, as far as the website goes, that was a a main key piece of technology. Um, As far as like computers, we've upgraded a bunch of our computers. Um, Our our internet connection is terrible in Idaho. Um, I believe somebody compared, they've done this comparison um, uh, worldwide and we compare with uh, Guatemala, I guess, in terms of our internet, <laughs> internet speed um, here in Idaho. So that makes it challenging, even though that's this terrific. podcast yeah. seems to be going well and we can hear each other. So that's pretty amazing. So what's your internet speed cap at? 14.4? Oh. 14.4. <laughs> uh, yeah, 56K modem. No, um, we are at, uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I know at home I'm getting, I'm probably getting eight, eight down, one up. Okay. Um, which, you know, isn't the end of the world. Um, you go out of town and man, I think you can travel about, uh, four miles outside of town and then you're cut off. Really? Nothing. Well, then you yeah. have to use an AOL disc and you got to put it in and wait. Yeah. I mean, which now. like, it makes interesting services. Like, um, I don't know if you guys use, we probably don't need to because you are in Long Island and there's connectivity everywhere, but these, uh, MiFi devices. Yeah. You know about these? So yeah, like, that's actually something that um, we had spoken about, not on this podcast, but in one of the technology meetings that one of the other libraries yeah. was handing out and circulating to, to, to people in lower-income communities who can't afford internet. I think Brentwood started yeah. it. Brentwood, so yeah. The, yeah, Brentwood started yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of grants out there for that and a lot of um, um, availability to try to get those to some of uh, more of our rural population that would need to connect to the internet. That's so a that's, great idea. That's something that, you know, we're looking into for sure. Um, you know, just putting the card catalog on our website, um, putting, doing normal. Um, the thing that I would like as far as technology goes that we're not at, which is shocking to me, um, is having public access log on computer software. Yeah. It's just somewhere where I want to get to, but I just can't do all of it at the moment. So um, do you have like Microsoft Office computers available for the yeah. public? But yeah, they're, they're all available, and that's probably our main usage, honestly, as a library. Um, mainly people come into, if you can believe it, we still fax here. Um, no, we do it here, too. Do you? Yeah, yeah I try to, have a machine. I try to convince people that they can email and scan, and that's like sometimes wizardry to people. But, um, <laughs> you know, I show them that this is okay, and it's free service where fax costs money. Um, yeah, uh, and oh, that's, another. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, another um, interesting piece of technology that happened last summer. Um, so I got a grant, she's um, through uh, the Albertsons Foundation, and it was teaming up with Khan Academy. And we were teaching a summer of code program here in the library. Oh, yeah. And um, we taught them intro to JavaScript and um, something else, animation and drawing. And through that grant, it got us 16 Chromebooks and a charging station. So oh. that was a huge, huge step for our, yeah, that's our library. Awesome. That is great. Sure. Yeah. 
That's great for any library, regardless of where you are. Yeah, I mean, my director was like, oh, now we're competing with Boise. And she was all proud of, you know, that, so. <laughs> so, you know, and again, great segue into the next question about, you know, offering digital services. Does your library offer digital services like OverDrive Media Console, ebook downloads, you know, services like that? Tell yes. Us, tell us we, a little uh, bit what you have. We do, um, we have three online services now, actually kind of four. Um, Overdrive is one. Uh, one Click Digital is another. Uh, 3M Cloud Library is another. And then for children, we do um, Tumble Books uh, online. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're all available. If you just go to the website, um, you can get information of how to download the app and install it, otherwise bring their device in and we um, get people set up. And I think we get a pretty good um, turnout from our ebook download. Uh, it's sometimes surprising here in, again, a rural community, but our checkouts are generally pretty high on those and we're expanding more and more in that direction, finding out what works and what doesn't work. I mean, mm -hmm. for me, it's great. I love listening to audiobooks via that service. Yep. So. Yeah, it is a great service. Okay, Bob. All right. So what are the biggest technology challenges at the Salmon Public Library faces today? Well, I think this goes in with your next question anyway, and I think this is with most libraries, and that's just generally community and staff buy-in. Yeah. Um, that's the hardest part to me is, especially coming from a place where, who Idaho is always in just in general resistant to change, any change. That's just the nature of the culture here in Idaho. Um, so anytime you're offering something new, uh, people like status quo, they like the way it is, and they don't know how that would benefit them. Or if what you're doing is going to bring in more people or something that they're not ready for or don't want. And that is a hard, uh, I face that challenge daily, honestly. <laughs> um, and then getting staff to kind of also buy in to say, I think I just did recently, I've Another goal of mine has been getting us all off of paper books uh, keeping and doing everything via Google Docs and Google Sheets and um, transferring information around that way and getting people to uh, buy into that type of technology with having an online calendar and all of those types of things. Um, that's a really hard one, I find. And the staff is receptive to this or uh, a little bit of apprehension? I would say... Um, we now have a bit younger of a staff, um, which has bought into it. Um, but then our uh, our director always uh, is hesitant because our community services such a an interesting range, a whole huge range of um, people. People get their information in different ways. Um, so when we're serving the youth, to we have a large retirement you know population here it's hard to, for her to understand maybe why we need to do that because not everybody we serve is on Facebook. And I get repeat, you know, reminded of that daily because I might want to, you know, promote, we still promote on the radio and the newspaper. I mean, it is, we are 20 years behind. When I rolled into this town, I was like, oh, how do we find an apartment? Like, just go on, I'm like, just go on Craigslist. Well, Craigslist doesn't exist. Like, it's like people post things on flyers on bulletin boards that's how people get information wow so advertising on the radio too wow we can't even afford to do that no it's too expensive here yeah hmm. yeah it's it's a, so you're you're 
that's the challenge with technology as well is how do you how do you introduce it to the population when so many different people get their information in different ways it's like sure i could promote this studio on facebook but man that's only maybe a fourth uh fifth of our you know total patronage yeah uh so it's it's interesting to try to find ways if you're rolling out something new whether it's a new library program that's you know geared towards technology or new service you're offering on the web how do you let people know yeah and i guess the the bigger thing too is how do you get them to to trust it right and realize that it's a good thing and it's not going to you know bring them any sort of unwanted attention or bring them any sort of you know uh, it's not going to expose them to anything, you know, and, and, and it's going to help them out. But that's a big yeah, thing. Bob. If you've got that answer, man, shoot me an email. Yeah, I, I don't have it. I tell you, we struggle <laughs> with the same thing up yeah. here. You know, and it's like, well, wh where'd the start button go, or how come this is different? And you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I think it's all over the place. You know. Okay, well, that's good to know. Then we have a commonality even between rural and big city. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just, right. It's just a human nature thing. Yeah. 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 So we wanted to ask you about your digital services, but you kind of covered that already. Um, what do you know? I know you, I'm not going to ask you for you know stats, but do you see more people coming in maybe with a you know an iPad or a, a Google tablet? You saying, well, I want to use OverDrive. Can you set it up for me or show me how it works and all that stuff? Because that's something that's a daily activity, multiple times a day here at the reference desk. Yes, I would. I would say that. Um to be true, but I would flip that on you a little bit. And it's not them bringing in their device and saying, hey, I know about OverDrive. Can you put OverDrive on my device? It's more of us asking them, hey, do you have a Kindle, an iPad, or some tablet? Oh, yes, I do. Well, did you know that you can do X, Y, and Z? No, I didn't. Well, you should bring it in, and we'll show you how to do that. So it's a form of ed education constantly. And we do rent out. Um, uh, e-readers as well, nooks and stuff for people that don't have access to that. Okay. That's very interesting. I, just out of curiosity, um, the, I'm assuming there's no Barnes & Noble in town, right? No. We have, I think, two semi-corporate chains in town. The rest is mom and pop. We have an Ace Hardware and we have a Murdoch's. And that's about... I so want to move there. This oh, yeah. is so nice and quaint. I, I have to, yeah, I have to admit, I did do the Google Street View. Yeah. And uh, it, it really was kind of appealing. Yeah. It was really, if, if not to move, then to go on vacation. It looks like it's nestled between three mountains yeah. or three it, mountain it, ranges or something. It's scenically one of the prettiest places that I've ever, ever visited. The river that runs through here is the main center of tourist, you know, tourism attraction during the summer as far as rafting goes. People that are into outdoors, hiking, hunting, fishing, uh, you know, it's a mecca for that. It's a mecca for really retirees. If it's hard as a young adult to find employment, that's the hard thing here. So uh, you can visit, but it's hard to survive. Hmm. I believe it. Okay, so, you know, I really want to talk to you about the about the studio that you built. Um, and, in fact, I was I found you on Twitter, you know, trying to follow big organizations like the ALA, and I found your tweet the picture of the podcasting studio, and quite frankly, I did fall in love. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm looking at the, the sound-absorbing material behind you and just thinking, I want that. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And that was part of uh, another outreach thing that I wanted to do, which is creating a Twitter account, Instagram account, and building on our social networking because uh, of just that fact that 
sometimes the people here only communicate with the people here. But, um, you know, by doing this, you know, obviously you've reached out to us and I've had other people reach out in different ways. And I just find that power of social media on that side of things so amazingly powerful. And, um, you know, I'm happy we did that and hope more people kind of connect in that way. And, so, and it is funny so because half the guests that we have had on the show would not have been on the show if it was not for social media in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, that's my big push, I think, too, is I'm trying to figure out ways how social media integrates with libraries. That's something I'm really interested in. And um, with the Facebook Live event we ran last night and just trying different things out and seeing if there anything sticks. Sure. And it seems to be, I mean, at least, right, from, from your experience, Chris, finding him on an ALA link, is that what you said? I think it was ALA. I saw you, you so, said something to the ALA about what your, look at your podcasting studio. You know, so yeah. right, right there, it's, that's your, your library's reach out to the, to the world, you know? So, I mean, so yeah. a, a bigger group from New York found you, you know, on a little ALA, you know, tweet or something like that. I think that's, so maybe it doesn't work in your community because not everybody does it, but it certainly works to get you reached out to the bigger community, I, you know, so. That's, a, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly why I did it. And they were curious when I was, you know, starting that account, they're like, well, nobody on our, in our, town is even on Twitter, let alone, you know, there's right. only so many people that are on Facebook. And I go, well, to be honest, it's not for them. It's for the rest of the world. Yeah. And um, I tell you, we appreciate that because uh, you're an awesome guest and then you're doing some fantastic stuff that, that we oh, are you. kind of envious of all the way up here, you know? And, sure. And so, oh, yeah. It's really well, great. Let's, shall we take a look at it? I mean, I don't know that you guys can't see it at home because people that are going to be listening to this podcast just have audio. But anybody that wants to watch the um, Google feed of our podcast would be able to see it yeah and so, we'll put a link to to it on our website too all right oh boy let's take this webcam down so, so there with me okay yeah sure so, jeff is walking uh, around right now and show and kind so of moving the mic is, around well, you guys can see this is the this is the <laughs> desk there's a microphone that sits right here um at the desk that tucks neatly away behind this computer when not in use uh, i'm telling you i'm jealous about that microphone uh, he's already he's drooling Chris, yeah. you got to, you know, you got to. I would love to have that set up with why the boom mic Why don't mic we like have that, that set up? Um, we should have a couple of those. That requires a permanent okay. room. Our, our budget's going uh, up. Over here we have, um, you know, a mix board. Uh, one of the problems that I found with the mix board, you guys can still hear me okay, right? Sure. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Uh, one of the problems that I found initially with the mix board is the whole, <laughs> it's funny, I'll just tell the story real quick that, um, I was building this simultaneously that we had a group in town um, that was doing a podcast and they got actually hired on to do this podcast and we kind of teamed up and they helped donate a little bit of funds to this room. Um, but they had three people, they needed to be on a mic on separate tracks. Hmm. And initially when I bought this mix board right there, uh, it only has a two track output. So that kind of left me stymied for a bit uh, and I couldn't figure out a way via hardware or software to work my way around that. So then I just purchased, um, you know, this little guy right here, which is just four in and four out. So now, you know, technically we could do six channels of recording, um, you know, in this room. Um, you know, over here, I just bought a, a nice little um, amplifier, uh, headphone amplifier splitter so that everybody can hear the feed at, you know, at once if they want. Um, just some studio speakers. So if anybody's recording vocals, they can actually hear how good or bad they sound. Um, if I take a look back at, let's see, I'm watching you guys on a separate pullout dual screen That's great. here. That is great. <laughs> That's terrific. So, look at that. Uh, yeah. So that 
that is uh, really beneficial if you're doing any picture editing or video editing. And the nice thing is I can flip that screen around. So if somebody's recording vocals, you could have an engineer sit here and then you have somebody over there uh, recording vocals and looking at the monitor and screen of lyrics wow. or something like that. that yeah. You know, would please them. Then behind there, we have a pull down green screen. Nice. This, this idea was kind of just out of our old library. We had a projection screen that we weren't going to use. So we said, hey, let's just, um, oh, we've got foggy there. Let's just uh, re reuse that and kind of paint that um, the green screen. And then I don't know if I can manage this. So we have two mics over there. Those are beautiful. Uh, they're color coded so that you know we know where they're going in the mix board. And then we have a nice um, pull down. Let's see if I can see that. Well, Is that the sound absorbing absorbing yeah, curtain? We have, we have one of the sound absorbing curtains there, and um, then that's we also beautiful. Have one right here behind the door. And this was a good engineering feat. Let's see if I can get up there. Can I? This is a terrible feed. Sorry, guys. Um, for people at home, but it just swings open behind the door. There's just on a um, a nice bar up top. That's that really great. Allows it to swing when the door closes. That's so genius. That's kind of the room, and I had um, some lovely. A lot of our a lot of our library runs on volunteer work, mm. and um, we rely a lot off of our you know volunteers. And we have some regular patrons that come in, and I just engaged with them and. Uh, the the, uh, the woman made those accordion folding soundproof curtains, so she hand sewed all of the uh, the drapes in there, so it would go up, and it keeps it away from the uh, the two microphones. That's great. And then the swing arm um, they helped build and install. Uh, so yeah, so it's been an effort from a lot of different people, but it's fun. Definitely seems so, like it. Wow. What's some of the? Ho- I mean, do you go into hardware? Yeah, you do. I've read that before. Yeah. We're going to have to go there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Shortly. Yes. So was this your design that came about? Yes. Or, you know, you know, did you have a spare room? Or how did, how, tell us how you put it together, what, you know, from, okay, so, from concept, yeah. concept, conceptualization all the way through to where it is now. Okay, sure. The story, the story kind of goes, it was in the back of my mind ever since being in a, the old library space of like, man, I'd love to have a podcasting studio in a library. Um, and during that time, um, being part of uh, some make it trainings down in, uh, in Boise and getting to tour some makerspace facilities and just seeing what's out there and what's possible at libraries. Um, we have this amazing library in Boise um, that's called Unbound. It's, excuse me, it's part of a library, but it's basically just a huge uh, technology hub, 13 3D printers and sound studio, the whole nine. And I was always jealous of them and what they had. So then moving over to this new library, it was not in the original design or concept. This room that we took over was originally designed for a test proctoring room. Hmm. So that's why there's a window where the one sound curtain kind of blocks. That goes in, looks into the main office so that the people in the office could look through the window and make sure, you know, they could proctor the test from in there. Um, What we found was man, how many times are we actually using that room for test proctoring? Uh, I think we moved in a library and we had been here six months and it maybe got used three to four times. The wow. majority that it was getting used was for people wanting to privately surf Facebook uh, in peace. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's not a really good functionality <laughs> for that room. So during a staff meeting, one of my colleagues brought up, he's just like, hey, why don't we use that room and maybe we turn that into a studio? 
Um, so I took that ball and kind of ran with it. And uh, yes, there's no other design other than my myself of just figuring things out and where things logically might go in here. Wow. So That's tell me how that, that works out with, um, and again, I'm off-roading just for a minute, the way you have the, the desk space set up. I mean, usually when you podcast, you're facing people, but it seems like you have a, a desk against the, or a countertop that's against the wall. Does that make it hard? Uh, yes. If, if you're interviewing other people and, you know, making that eye contact? The answer is yes. Um, again, those desks, these desks were originally in here. Um, as you know, with libraries, they have to be pretty resourceful, especially if you don't have like an unlimited budget of, you know, half a million dollars to do whatever you want. Um, so you kind of use what you have and that's what we had. So, um, the, it, I also find challenges in this room. Uh, it's just mic bleed. I mean, we're so close to, you know, each other. If I stick an interviewer on the far side of the room and even I'm where I'm currently sitting, uh, I try to pan left and pan right to kind of just m mitigate the audio that's bleeding into their mic. So mm -hmm. that, that can be a challenge, um, as well, but again, for a community that's never experienced something like this, or maybe some of people don't even know this is possible, uh, I'll take, you know, two mics facing a window away from, you know, away from people just for the sheer fact of having it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, I have to say that we have a room here that I, I said, well, if they could do that, we could do it too. But again, it's that concept of the counter against the wall where you're staring at the wall with a microphone. Yeah, so I think if we put a chair um, against the wall, the swing arm comes out enough in front of somebody's face that their back could be against the wall and my back's against the wall as I'm kind of facing you guys, and we're making direct eye contact you know, at each other. They might need to lean a little bit. If we had a longer swing arm, it would come right in front of their mouth, and then they wouldn't need to lean. But, um, yeah, I think there's work. I think there's workarounds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and there's no real hard and fast rule when it comes to building one of these things. And I don't think you should let a um, a desk against the wall stop you from moving forward, you know, uh, in something like that. Uh, somebody told me 90% uh, of the idea out in the world is better than 100% of the idea in your head. So <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. You know what? That's the point. That's the point right there, Jeff, that I have to point on is if you guys are such an inspiration for what libraries, I mean, all over the world could do. Because uh, they're, they'll get caught up in, well, we need $100,000 before we even take a look at a spot in the library to do something with. They won't buy the green screen until they have two years of programming all worked out. And they won't get a, they won't get a microphone until like, they have the whole podcast thing set up. And, and you guys have done it with a minimal amount of money, you know, a lot of volunteer work. So that puts, that puts a big library that's got a ton of money, you know, or even a medium-sized library or a smaller-sized library that's well-funded. You know, they don't need the committees and the chair people and the groups and, and on, on all this stuff, they just needed a, a little vision at a time, right. To keep going. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's something to be said about that. And that's part of the, um, enjoyment I get working at this particular library is, um, as much as I look at places like, um, your library or even our big city libraries in, in Boise, uh, you guys are the Titanic and we're just this little, you know, sailing ship and we're much more nimble and can move around, uh, a lot of hierarchical decisions as far as funding goes that need to be made. Uh, the only person I needed support from was our director. Yeah. I don't even know if she brought it up to the board. It was just like, I want to do this. She's like, okay. And then it just happened. So, it, it, you know, it's just start ordering things and put it together and 
here you go. It's, there's no process of proposals or uh, paperwork or, like you said, years of programming that needs to be proved to get right. it done. We just did it. And doesn't it instill a certain sense of satisfaction that you were able to do this, whether shoestring budget or not? You know, it's it's almost a labor of love. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, the satisfaction I truly get in from this is um, – how patrons in our community react to it. Uh, uh, the patrons, or just the community members in general, are very proud of their town. They're proud mm -hmm. of the new library when they walk in the new library. And then to see something like this, uh, you get a lot of open mouths and they're just like, wow, I can't believe we have something like that. So I'm a big proponent of saying no excuses. And uh, if I provide opportunity of something like this, now you guys have no excuses to come in and not be able to create or, or make or do something. There's no more, well, we're in a poor town or we can't do that. We don't have access to that. And that's the beauty of public libraries, right? I mean, they're giving people access to things that they normally wouldn't have. And this is just one of those ideas. That's and, really impressive. And isn't it nice yeah. too that, and I definitely feel this way and Bob, I'm sure you feel the same way. In a public library setting, the motivation to make money once you take that motivation that the profit motivation out you truly can you know lack of a better way to describe it let your hair down and just truly help people I, yeah i i couldn't agree more i mean yeah. and that's the basis of the model right that's what we're here to serve the community i mean yeah and you know what the the thing is that you know there are staff members in the libraries that are listening or being represented right now that have these ideas but the paperwork or, or the programming or the, the setup, you know, I only know how to get this far. I, I know 10%. I have an idea for 5%, but, but the 100% scares me. So they won't even talk about it. You know, so when you're at the manager meetings and you're at the staff meetings or you're at the, you know, the group meetings, they have the idea, like, like you did, Jeff, to do what you did. But they only have the 5 or 10%, and they're so scared of the 90 that they won't even talk about it. Yeah, and I mean... And I, and I don't want to like bring it back to this point, but I mean, I have to really thank my director. I mean, there's a certain level of trust that needs to be had between a staff member that might have an idea and the ability to follow through and pull that idea off. I right. mean, man, what happens if I got halfway and I'm just like, I can't do this. Right. Like, back to Pennsylvania, uh, now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a rail. <laughs> On a rail. Right. Yeah. yeah. On a cheap Amtrak. Uh, yeah. yeah, the cheapest yeah. Amtrak. Yeah. I but mean, it, you guys got a hundred jobs. There's got to be a job opening there. I could jump in. Right. Hey, listen, with that studio, you know, absolutely. Jeez, yeah. yeah. It's time to make some consulting business up, right? I had no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I already talked about that. Oh, that's it's, good. It's like JR Inc. or something. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nice, nice. And I'll just keep standing here in the boardroom. We'll just work out of the Sachem Public Library. Think, don't worry. Yeah, nice. Clink, clink. Um, so tell me about that sound absorbent material. Um, where did you get it from? Well, the original idea was inspired by um, that library I was talking about earlier in Boise that has a sound room. Um, I knew I'd seen theirs, and theirs, I think, is blue and black, and I was always impressed. I'm like, wow, what a cool, funky look um, to add to your library. It's one thing just to have sound-absorbing material, but it's another thing to make it inviting uh, for the public, no. uh, to make them feel like it's special. And this is just, I think, is an inch not even an inch maybe yeah i think it's an inch um foam paneling they just come in these small squares um 
you know, one by one, I think they sell them in 12 packs and we just got them from Amazon. And uh, if I'm, I want to say like the total cost just to do like kind of the border of this room might've been like 175 bucks, something like that, wow. um, which isn't, which That's isn't great. like outrageous. Um, and then the, the feet that was hard was installing them in a way. Uh, so I had shot the, the library an email and asked them how they installed them. And we went through a couple pro test processes and they used spray adhesive. Uh, the issue that they run into is as right now, this room is super hot. When you have a lot of foam in a room or sound absorbing blankets, the, uh, the temperature gets uh, quite steamy in here. And that temperature change will often loosen up some of the glue and then you have foam panels falling off. I tried double-sided sticky tape and waited for a week and then they all fell off. Uh, so I did some internet research, you know, good old YouTube. If you don't know how to do something, it'll tell you how to do it. That's yeah. true. And uh, man, they, I'll show you. So I'll just pull one of these out because it's not hard to get back in. But behind me, so all I used, and then again, forgive the people at home that can't see this, um, <laughs> such a simple design solution. So I don't know if you'll be able to see, but sure. I just used... Uh, Two, I think it's inch and three quarter uh, sewing T pins, That's which just had at our local store, and they just pop oh, right man. through the uh, the foam fabric right into the drywall, and man, no problems. They just hang up right away, and they pretty much remain invisible well, once they're in the wall. You know, your huge library, all your big libraries up here are taking notes. They're writing down T pins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what like. So what simple designs, right? And oh. the key was actually putting them in just for anybody that ever, ever wants to do something like this. Uh, the trick I learned on YouTube is you really got to get a pair of pliers and you just grip the, the very the very front end of the T-pin and you push it in that way because if you push it in from the uh, the top, the whole pin will bend and then oh. you won't be able to get it in. And it doesn't the wreck the wall either, right? So No, you, and then that's, yeah. that's the other benefit. If I tried to do everything in this room that for some reason... If somebody 10 years from now wanted to rip this thing down, right. it'd be very, minim very minimal damage to the room. Yeah, that's smart. It really is. It's, that's this this next question is all right up go for the it. alley. Yeah. Jeff, you and I, baby. Here we go. Oh, okay. we, I'll go take a break. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so uh, tell us about all the tech that's in the studio, the microphones, the mixing board, video equipment, serial numbers, model numbers. Dates of manufacturing. I'm just kidding, but but it looks really sure. it looks really those, impressive. Those microphones alone. The microphones I'm alone. I'm drooling don't, over the Don't tell Chris. Tell me. I'll get him one for Christmas, and then we'll work it out. Oh yeah, sure. So uh, the beauty of this room is it looks a lot sexier than it uh, costs. Um, that that was one of my goals going in. Again, uh, being on a, a low or limited budget mm -hmm. and knowing the uh, the potential patronage that you might want to use this room. There's no point in putting a $10,000 mics in here, um, you know, for policy reasons and somebody damaging something. So these these right. mics are, um, in doing a little bit of research, they seem like a good quality uh, podcasting mics. They're MX MXL 990s. Uh, they run about mm, 80 to $100 per piece. Wow, so really? They're not super expensive mics. Um, and then I just bought individual like pop filters, which I think are like six or seven dollars. And they just snap uh, right on um, the front, right? They just snap right on right onto the swing arm, and the swing arms are cheap too. Um, you know, nothing's like high grade. So if somebody broke something, I would nobody here would be really heartbroken, which is a huge thing. I think a library would need to think about. Um, yeah. You know, you don't really want to put equipment in here that you're not willing to 
lose in some way. Yeah, it's a good uh, point. What, one of the um, features of the mic that you know somebody might debate as far as going into a studio build would be, do I go XLR mic or do I go a USB mic? Yes. Um, you know, and that was one of the decisions I kind of struggled with. And I just thought that overall, there's a lot more flexibility with an XLR mic uh, for many different purposes. Um, and just giving a patron an experience with an XLR cable, it might expose them to something that they move on from this community or go yeah. on to university and say that they've seen something like that uh, before, which is, you know, everybody's seen a USB cable. But I know it's just a simple thing, but it's it's something that you know, I did think about. Um, well, there's also a big challenge with USB mics too, because our first podcast was done with a single USB mic, yeah. and oh. when we and when we did it, you know, when you have this concept in your head, the concept was every guest has a mic, so I bought two USB mics, and I bought Blue Yeti, and Blue Yeti's a great mic when they're standalone, but if you plug more than one into the same laptop, their serial numbers are the same, hmm. so they cancel huh. each other out, and you can't ha- you can only have one microphone. So if you're having two co-hosts and at least one guest, you don't want it to be like a fireside chat where we're all huddled around this microphone. So that's when I, after the first podcast, I said, no, this isn't going to work. And I went XLR and it it worked really well. Yeah. And that was another um, decision. Oh, Oh, Siri just went crazy. It recorded, it it recorded everything Chris said and it went to search for it on the internet. That's awesome. It was terrific. (laughs) It's one of those points, Jeff, technology is supposed to do this, but it somehow does that. I know. Uh, Another thing was uh, looking into podcasting mics of, do you want to go a dynamic? Do you want to go dynamic mic or do you want a condenser mic? And, um, and then another thing is, okay, now that I have this XLR mic, well, it requires phantom power. So what am I going to have to power this guy? And then that's when the board came um, into play. And I went, I went with a USB uh, mix board uh, just for overall ease of, you know, usage. And I think it's a Behringer. Oh, most of the products in here are Behringer. You know, Behringer had a bad name for a little bit in a couple of years ago as far as the quality of products they were making. It's basically just um, functionality on a budget, to be honest with you. I think the mix board's like 100 bucks and... You know, most things are under $100 in this room. The speakers are under $100. They're uh, Mackie speakers, and I think they're 30 watt or something like that. Um, and then a couple of Behringer Studio uh, style headphones um, in here. Really, there's not that much geeky stuff. I mean, it might look like that, but you, you'll find, I don't know if you guys have found, uh, man, building a studio brings people out of the woodworks. It brings patrons that you never knew or met or encountered uh, take interest in it. And sure enough, I've had a couple patrons come in and go, Hey, you know, I used to be in the music business and I have an old, uh, vocal reverb recording box and a percussion drum thing. I'm going to donate them to the library. I'm like, cool, let's get them in here and, you know, plug them in. So it's like, it's pretty awesome. It really is cool. And you're, you are right. When you do something like this, people come out of the woodwork every once in a while, because our, our equipment is all portable because sometimes we take it on the road. We go to other places. You guys and just launched the studio, right? So you're probably seeing a bunch of people coming. Right. We it, ironically, um, our makerspace is called the studio. That's that's the huh, brand right, that we yeah. have for it. And uh, and when we did that, it's it's pulling people out and engaging more people who ordinarily would you know just walk right by you. And so it, you definitely get buy-in from people that you wouldn't necessarily think you would get. And mm-hmm. w- when we do this, I mean, every once in a while, you'll see people watch us from the other side of the glass. We have. We're in the, the boardroom at the library. Fishbowl. So it's a fishbowl. It's kind of like a fishbowl. It's a half a fishbowl. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a quarter of a fishbowl. 
like you're ordering train tickets. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I, I would say guys, it's more like... Charge? What's that? Do you charge for your studio? Uh, it depends on what they're doing. For the most part, um, no, but we do charge for engraving, and we do charge for 3D printing. Got it. So, But it's a nominal fee. It's 25 cents a minute for the engraver because the thing moves so fast. And uh, it's 50, 50 cents per half hour for the 3D printing, which is it's yep. just a nominal, nominal fee. So people, um, first of all, people won't take advantage of it. And second of all, it's a way to kind of offset some of the, um, the costs for the material. Hmm. Got it. And yeah. it's, it's been working great. We've been up and running for the public since January 17th. And it, we're printing every day. We're printing at least one or two things. And we're engraving, you know, at least two or three things a day. So... It, it really is yeah. nice to see that, that people get engaged yeah. with it. So it is nice. We also have a nice a little webcam in here, too, an HD webcam. And I, I just put that in there for a couple of purposes. One, when that dual monitor flips around, you now have a camera that you could use to shoot against the green screen on. So you don't need to bring in your own phone or standalone camera if you didn't want. And two, I just added it for... Um, I thought it'd be a good aspect for people that maybe they don't want to use the studio, but they want to use the sound space uh, for dampening of a sound. So if they're doing a Skype interview and they're, you know, they have to do something professional in here or do a webinar, um, this is a great spot to, you know, come in and do that. So how are you going to handle um, people coming in who want to use it? I mean, have patrons come in saying they want to use it for maybe not for podcasting, but for um, sound recording, you know, music recording, that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, well, we haven't officially opened it. We've had a soft opening as far as the people that know about it, um, have them in here and kind of testing things out. I mean, I'm still tweaking and putting things together daily. I only have one more project in here, which is changing these awful fluorescent um, lights in here to a dimmable LED lights smart. to give them Very a smart. more stu studio feel. Uh, if you're spending any amount of time in here, um, or you're interviewing someone, it's just a much more comfortable space. And if you're doing any video or picture editing, as you know, you probably want it almost complete darkness to actually see what you're doing as far as the colors in your photo. Sure. Um, but as far as people coming into the room, uh, I've, I've built into an online scheduling on the on our website. So people can go there and uh, book the times that they that they want available. My only criteria would be that they're doing something creative in here. If they're coming in just to surf the internet that's not um it's not a legitimate use to me and i would say there's plenty of computers to go and do that on um excuse me <clears throat> but uh yeah so i i don't know i don't know the floodgates may completely open here when we um you know kind of open the doors efficiently and i don't know how i will mitigate who comes in and does what um <clears throat> We had some girls in here singing today at the top of their lungs, and we didn't hear anything in the in the library. And this is right out in the library, right outside. So these these curtains do a great job of knocking down that sound. I think on Monday we'll test a, a guitar in here, and I even told the guy to bring in a snare drum to see if he's playing on a snare drum. If you could hear that out in the library, because oh, that, uh, that's if we can, awesome. That is cool. Yeah. That's really great. You can start a whole yeah. music scene coming out of Salmon. Yeah. Yeah. What I'd love to do, and now that we have a mix board and you have equipment in here. I mean, there's nothing stopping you. We have this great um, uh, kind of, a, I don't know, this this great acoustical sound out in the middle of our library since it's all wood and open. And we've had people express interest of doing like 
some type of recording in the middle of our library. So why not after hours drag out some XLR cables from the board and set up some mics and record people in the middle of our library? That's a great you idea. Know. Well, is your board permanently mounted on that countertop or is it portable? No, no it's portable. That makes sense. I mean, having everything portable, especially in the library, makes sense because if you are going to do that kind of thing, uh, it does make some sense to be able to drag it around. Yeah, I think it just really opens the possibilities. What I would want is, I mean, with the whole make it world and creative world is people just to be enthused and think of things in this room that I haven't thought of. I try to come up with all the possibilities out of this room, but somebody will, I'm surely think, well, I did this in your room. I told the guys, like, I want you to be the first person to create a music album out of this room. So that's awesome. Uh, I sent, sent a challenge for him. Sure. Uh, so I know you kind of went over this before, but do you have an approximate total cost of what it took to design the room? And did, did was there was there a need to have an architect involved at all? I mean, I know you talked before about it being, you know, just, just kind of you went and did it. But, I mean, here in New York, there's always permits for this and permits for that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. since there's nothing permanently, like, attached in here, I don't, there was no architect involved. Uh, it was just one thing after the next, and slowly kind of the vision just starts happening. I think I had like, I don't know, maybe 12 panels on the wall at first. And it was just this empty space with 12 panels. And it kind of just grew from, you know, from that um, uh, total budget. I, I'd have to say we're well under a thousand dollars. That's great. Um, yeah. So again, I don't think money should ever be a cost again. And all of this stuff is entry level things and that's exactly fine for me for the library it's more about exposing people to this equipment and giving them opportunity and not about a professional sound studio because if they doing, want that you know doing you go a great in. job Good. yeah yeah there's, awesome. there's tons of that you can go and rent a professional sound studio but this is a public space where you can come and use which i just yeah it's really yeah. really amazing how did you handle uh, electricity do you ha did you have to bring uh, more more power in it's called when it shuts down we have a problem <laughs> um, let's see I mean underneath the desk I have two power surge you know strips and mm. then when um, there was a guy uh, we had an electrician in here doing some other work for our library and I did address that problem to him and I go hey we're gonna have a lot of equipment in this room can you just kind of see that we're not gonna like max out the breaker or, or you know blow something out in there and then he went in and just installed on the wall a a bigger four bracket circuit thing i don't know what you call that i'm not oh, like a quad outlet right the, the, yeah, yeah quad uh, outlet yeah. so that would give us more it, it wouldn't drain as much on just the two i guess so yeah. um i i don't think i think and then this would be the max amount of equipment although if somebody brought in an amp and a guitar i don't know what that would do but again i think we'll just cross that bridge with when, when it yeah. happens Time to get that big orange extension cord and running under the door. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we did some little funky things of just kind of from those two. When you were talking about the desk in your room that kind of sits on the wall that, you know, you don't know if you would want something over there. But where our two mics are, uh, we have a nice about mm, five foot crawl space underneath this room. So we just drilled holes in the floor and we have the wires running under the floor back up into the board. On oh, the that's great. Nice. That really so, is a, help, a helpful thing to have yeah. the, the space yeah, underneath. Yeah, so it's a pretty, pretty clean space then as far as that goes. Yeah. Although I need a better wire management system for the desk. So if you have any suggestions, that would be wonderful. <laughs>
I don't know. You know those accordion wire catchers, right? That's what we yeah. used to use. Or just zip ties. Yeah. Zip ties. Yeah. yeah. But then if something goes down and you have to cut the zip ties, you're wasting precious time. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, yeah. And then a big help, if you guys are ever building a studio or someone's building a studio out there, I mean, this seems like a no-brainer, but everything is color-coded in this room. Every wire has a you know, different piece of color tape on it that goes into the back of the computer so you could quickly identify That's what smart. your problem That's is. That's very smart. I just labeled mine with P-Touch, mic one, mic two, mic three. Anything, anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think I must have, gosh, I don't know. There's got to be 30 to 40 wires that are coming out of these things. So well, the colors might be better because in a panic, you can't really read. True. Well, so orange goes to orange, no matter how stressed out you are. Right. That's so it. that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. So we talked a little bit about Internet access before and, and kind of eight meg down one up. Uh, so we're wondering if you have Wi-Fi in that room and how did you gain access to the Internet from in there? Um, I have no idea how the Internet actually works. Um, <laughs> I think the internet is one of the most marvelous things of this time, and I don't know how wireless works. I just click on a button and it works. Um, <laughs> no, I guess this room is connected as the whole library is connected. We have decent Wi-Fi. I mean, it would maybe or maybe not surprise you. This was one of the drawbacks in the community in general, just a side note on Wi-Fi. I think we're the only... Um, we're one of the only like public facilities that you can go and sit down and use Wi-Fi. Um, I have a lot of you know, college students that might come through or seasonal employees that come through in the summer and they'll mm. say, hey, after you guys close, where can I go use Wi-Fi? And I'm like, you can't. There's no place in town that you can go use Wi-Fi wow. after the library closes at six o'clock. So does your Internet shut down with your hours of operation? No. And that's the okay. thing. We keep our Wi-Fi on. And man, mm. in the summer when it's uh, warm out, I'll drive home I'll, like 1130 and I'll see like 10 people sitting outside the library uh, using the Internet. Wow. So, we're gonna, so we're going to send a box of range extenders there to the patrons then. <laughs> so, so they can have the big laptops with the dishes on them, you know? That's yeah. Cool. Get a visit from the FCC. So, not in Idaho. Yeah, so, not in so Idaho. We have, yeah, we have, yeah, not in Idaho. We have a <laughs> Wi-Fi in this room, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess it just connects via that. It's not like Ethernet or anything. That's cool. Wow. So tell us about the ability to bring, you know, remote guests into the mixing board, kind of like what we're doing right now. Um, you know, it's, this is why I don't even know why I wrote this question. Can you do Skype, FaceTime, Google Hangouts? Well, we're actually doing it. Good say job, no. Chris. Just say no, Jeff. No, no. no. no we, that, that's, a great, that's a great question because, yeah, while I'm on the phone with you and I'm on a Google Hangout, I am not currently recording your, your guys' audio. Hmm. Um, it's actually, I mean, I don't know anybody in the world, or maybe you guys know this term. Um, you know, it, it requires a mix-minus setup. Do you, hmm. do you know the do you no, know I never the heard that, no. Okay. So in the... In the audio world, uh, a mix minus setup is that um, I send the Skype interview person uh, the entire mix minus their audio so they don't get a feedback loop of themselves in your ear. Mm -hmm. So um, with, a, with a mix, I would, uh, if I was going to were to rec uh, record the Skype call, I would uh, punch into some of my later channels like five and six or seven and eight, <clears throat> and I would... Um, send the auxiliary return to you guys and minus minus the auxiliary down to zero so you guys don't hear your own voice but i would turn it up on all the other channels whether sound effects so you could hear intro music sound effects um wow. my voice or any other interviewers so they're getting the entire mix of audio except for their own voice wow that's something that's really neat yeah. it makes me look like a monkey over here i'm not saying it i'm just jeff, thinking it jeff is pointing out all the you know, the new things we should be working on. But. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, if you have a mix board, you can, you know, it's not, that's kind of, I, I feel like the essential piece of equipment to be able to do that successfully. There's probably plenty of other ways to do it like you guys are doing. If I recorded the Skype call to an external uh, recorder, that's another way to, you know, kind of do it. And then marry the two pieces of audio back on the back end, mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, you guys could record your own audio like I'm doing right now and I could send it to the interviewer. But then you're at the, I always find even with Skype call though, I'm, I'm still at the liberty of what kind of mics that you guys are using yes, or I'm right. using on that end. And that's a huge, I don't know if you guys find that. Do you guys find that to be a huge struggle? We, if you're we doing? have. We, we've done some remotes, one to Texas, one to California, and one to Illinois. And um, depending on what they're using for a mic, really it can make or break the sound quality. I mean, we had one, Brian was great, but he was using a gaming headset. Right. And then so had, it was over-modulating. Who, who was using their Mac for everything? Um, somebody was using the Mac for the video and the audio. I think it was Pam and down was, in Texas. Yeah, and it was really messing with our system. Yeah. And then the other librarian, librarian in black, she was great. She was a great yep. guest, yep. but she was using her, her Android phone. The microphone on your Android phone, and what happens usually when you're talking on your phone, you tend to yell into your phone. Yeah, and there's nothing more annoying for a listener to hear two different sounds of audio coming through. Um, I struggled that with a podcast I was creating um, at some point uh, prior. I just, you just need the other person to have um, another mic. But the the girls that are doing our public lands broadcast um, podcast out of this room right now. Uh, they came back from podcasting school, which was awesome that they got to go to do that. But they brought back this little tidbit that I never heard about. And it's a, a service called MicSync. And uh, what MicSync does is you hire them. And for your interviewer, they'll go to your interviewer and they'll provide the mic and make sure they record that audio uh, good quality and then send it to you. Wow, that's, that's really cool. cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're lucky because we have a four track. Oh, nice. And... and What's nice is it records to the iPad. So uh -huh. it actually has a slot for the iPad to slide in, and it connects via the lightning connector. And I use a, an app called Boss Jock. So yeah, I, can set, I can set all my carts up. So if I'm playing bumper music or you know, intros, outros, all that other stuff, it's all right there in the carts. So all I have to do is press it. And I can set each cart uh, individual mic levels or, or audio out levels, and I can set the fade rate as well. So I can... when the, when I hit the card again to turn it off, um, it won't just turn off. It'll do, it'll do a fade, whether it's a three-second, five-second, seven-second, and it'll do the fade on its own without me having to drop it on the board. Yeah, so you do have the mix board as well, or no? Yes. It's a four-track. Okay, yeah, so perfect. So, you're yeah, you're having your iPad plug into, like, yeah, one of those channels. Show and, them, yeah. yeah, sure, let me show I you. I can show you. Hold on. Yeah, just tilt the laptop. I'm going to break this. Turn this around a little bit. Don't break it. Can you see oh. it okay? Yeah, that's great. It works great. I love this thing. This thing is, and it's portable, and it weighs almost nothing. It weighs less than a laptop. Oh, and and it looks way, it looks way more um, hip technology-wise than my old school knob turning button thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, and it works. And like just as we're talking now, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, there was a little bit of hiss when we first started from your mic coming over, and that's just because it's the connection to the web. So you know, I'm playing with you know. Know, with, with the lows and the highs and and you know playing with mic levels so you know we're not blasting you out or you're not blasting us out and it's just sure. something that i've learned over time from doing the podcast really and and i think i asked you before but i mean the mics and everything still sounds good on your end right it sounds great this is yeah. the best remote we've ever done yeah 
No, it's stable. We're in, most, we're in the most rural spot in America. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it really it's, is. It's really stable. I tell you, it's one of the most impressive, you know, hardware-wise, especially even the discussion that, that, that we've done. And, you know, you wouldn't think you were from, you would, you would think that you were on top of the Empire State Building in the Z100 Tower because, you know, this is how, this is how good it's looking. So. Yeah. And that's like, that's so impressive to me because I find that is, um, you know, something I'm, I'm working towards too. There's, with the advent of technology and the cheapness of technology nowadays, there's sure. no reason, there's no reason that uh, a town like this shouldn't have the same access as you know a big city. And this is just sheer proof of that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, dare I say it? But don't has, say it. Maybe has, you should say it. Has Amazon leveled the playing field? As, I don't know. I think Jeff's leveled the playing field. But I, I'm, no, creative Chris is ability. right. I mean, no, Chris is right in a in a way because it's like. Uh, you know, with Amazon Prime, like that's the only way we get stuff here. We have no, we're the, like I think yeah. two and a half hours from a Walmart. There's no store so to buy any of this equipment. Wow. You've got a point. That's pretty good. Uh, once the, in a while it happens. What about the UPS drone? They just right in Florida. They just crashed it in the side of their truck. It's the great. UPS drone will be shot down. It's going to be like fantastic. Seconds coming <laughs> into this town. And if it's not shot down, one of the eagles will come and grab it. Well, they have those nets now. You can load them into a shotgun and shoot the drone out of the sky. It's great. We are, we are a well armed town here. Yeah, no, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's great. All right, so so Jeff, what are your expectations? And, and I bet you they're they're pretty lofty, or or maybe whatever you know, whatever comes of it. Uh, will the Salmon Public Library develop their own podcast or, or you know, regularly scheduled type of thing? I know. I'd subscribe. I think we should do it with them. That's what I'm going to propose. Is this that could be something. Together yeah. And do something, you know, to start it going. I would love to be any, you know, any part of, you know, uh, you know, a revisiting guest or anything that you guys would offer. I mean, I, I find that exploring that um, avenue with podcasting, especially now that we have this room. And as we were talking about before with Twitter and the power of technology, um, that's what my expectations are is, yeah, creating this more uh, global network of people that are doing things like this and um, exposing other people to things like this. Um, as far as expectations go, uh, man, I'd love what I'd love to see is, yes, the library create their own content. I mean, now that we have a website and we have an avenue to display that content, um, yeah. not, o- not only via Facebook, but uh, in my whole big pitch is, Man, we have some of the most talented people um, in the world, really, that that come and settle here and um, just kind of remain recluse and retired. Uh, we have a guy next week that's um, putting on a class for leatherworking, and he has people tuning in from Poland and Sweden and cool. all over. I mean, he's one of the best leather workers yeah. uh, ever. And I'm like, so we have a lot of talent here that I feel if they wanted to take advantage of podcasting, People would tune in uh, and listen to these these folks um, yeah. on, on their own personal level. But as a library level, man, I, I mean, just simple things. Why not do library book reviews, you know, record them in and uh, have people come in here and, and do simple things like that? Why you know, not do? That's what they're uh, doing over at the Half Hollow Hills Community Library. They're doing short seven, eight, nine minute podcasts talking about perfect. a book that they liked and reviewing yeah. it. And it sounds great. Oh, shameless plug. Shameless plug for Ellen Druda, Half Hollow Hills Public Library. See that? And her work. With Enable. Enable. Dawn Wright. That's perfect. Five bucks. I love that. We we get five bucks every time we mention Ellen Druda's name. Who is it? Ellen Druda at the Half Hollow Hills Library, five bucks. One more time, who was it? His name name is Ellen Ellen Druda. Druda. No, I'm just getting you. That's about $20. Oh, yeah, no, he's doing it. See, he's doing what I... Brilliant. All right. All right, I so like you know this what? guy. Let's fast forward ahead, Jeff. We're going to call this new podcast Two Techies and a Librarian. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I got ch- I got so listen, what are you doing? What are you doing billing. next Friday? I'll fly down to Idaho and we'll start uh who's our next guest? Wow. It could be Chris up hey, in New we York. Got three mic- we got three mics here. It could be this guy Chris up in New York. I hear he's great. We should do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's got his boss. He's got his boss Jack iPad. He's ready to go. That's it. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Um, uh, wait, I was gonna also just mention. Yeah, a big thing in this town is like local history. And I was just thinking the other day, uh, like recorded voices in history. Why not have people? We have a lot of elderly population that has tons of good stories. Come in here, yep. like a story core. Re- record your record your story and put it up on the site. And I mean, there's just endless possibilities of what people could use uh, this room for. But I would love the library to create its own content in some way. Yeah, and it does make sense. It really, really does make sense. So, um, do you feel that you know, like Kevin Costner's movie, you know, Feel the Dreams? If you build it, will they come? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I know you're pretty remote, but do you think you would attract people from other communities to come and and use this as well? Um, no, I think the town itself attracts people from other communities. Uh, the library then is a beacon on Main Street, which people naturally are drawn to. And then from that, they would stumble upon uh, the studio, in my mind. Um, We're a big seasonal influx town. We almost double in population over the summer. So so, 3,000 to almost 6,000 people. Uh, It gets really busy here. Um, People running the rivers and just coming in for recreational purposes always manage to find their way in here. And that's something... I really, uh, well, I'm going to work out policy-wise, but there's no reason to me that you need to be a library patron to come in and use this room. So if there's some reason that you wanted to come in as a non-resident, you could come in here and, and use the room. I'm going to hopscotch back to a, another question real quick because um, so as far as Internet capabilities, right, so you double, you said, in the summer. So if you get a lot of usage out of this room and a lot of people on that Wi-Fi and a bunch of people, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping... We need to get you some more internet. That's basically what we have to do. Yeah, I I don't know. It held up last summer. We were here it, last huh? summer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I don't I don't know how. But what uh, what ISP we, do you have out there? Uh, I have no idea. I'm not the IT guy. Um, I don't really deal with that other than checking your internet stats at the end of the night. And usually wow. at um, at the level of uh, the height of summer, I think we were getting, again, I don't know what you guys, if you guys check your Wi-Fi usage, but that's something that we track here as far as just people signing on. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get about like 220 people in the summer on our Wi-Fi in a day. So That's not bad. That's I, not I bad at say, all. That's pretty respectable. That's pretty respectable. I mean, I, I think. And that's for our, our tiny little town. The, the bigger libraries up here, like, I can tell you my guys, we're like 2,400, 2,500 a month. Okay. So, so that's pretty respectable. Yeah, so we're yeah, that's a tenth of what you guys are doing and we're probably far less in population. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. Um so do you feel like um do you think that uh, this is going to spur something in the town you're saying is a little more conservative there? Do you think can you conceive of um, you know, podcast growing in with using the, the studio? Uh, I sh- I sure hope so. I mean, I think Access to technology, as you guys might or might not believe, um, I would think you would believe, uh, just exposes you to more people, more connection, more world. And I don't know how that can't be a good thing in a way. Um, uh, but I, I invite everybody to come and use it, man. Talk whatever, talk, talk about whatever you want. If you want to talk, you know, if you want to talk heavy about your opinions about whatever it is you know what, this space is equal opportunity. Come and do that. The fact that you came in here to learn how to use this stuff is what I'm concerned about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
That's a great point. It really is um, amazing. And that's that's what I want. I mean, like I have guys that uh, we have a big fly fishing community here. Uh, I'm sure these guys know all the tricks of the trade. Come in and talk fly fishing. Make a fly fishing podcast in here. Why not? Yeah, that that's the point. That's a great idea. Right. You got to use what your, um, you know, you got to use what your community already has, and and there's a lot of knowledge in the community. So hopefully they would come and share it. I I'd, I'd certainly tune into a lot of those things. I just don't think that they know the current uprise of podcasts uh, in general. I mean, you type in the word podcast on internet search right now and it trends everywhere. I mean, I just had a guy to me yesterday. He goes, hey, my son told me to start listening to podcasts when I'm walking. I'm like, yes, that's what people are doing nowadays. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, it's access to, right? It's access to very specific information that you're interested in. That's right. um, I know it's a great, Great it's an audi- it's an auditory YouTube. That's all it is, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> like have you that. guys ever? Um, I'm curious on your podcast. Uh, what was the decision process in doing strictly audio versus audio and video? Was it a technical uh, hang-up or just a preference? Um, at first, it was because we um, facial expressions. <laughs> I think that was it. So well, Bob's better looking than me, so I didn't. No, want I don't know. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I was saying. I think. What does it say? Those that take, those that can't act, uh, go on radio. So I think that was, that's pretty much us. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, part of it was when we started this a year ago. There wasn't the proliferation of Facebook Live and and YouTube streaming yeah. the way it is now. I mean, it's something that you know I'm starting to consider now. In fact, uh, last month we do a technology forum uh, every month with Suffolk County Libraries. And we actually did our pod, uh, podcast. We did our um, meeting last month on streaming. I watched it. And the, Bob watched the it. Doctor's office. Yeah. There's yeah. an endorsement. So <laughs> we, uh, we streamed it. And I think it was a success, not in the amount of people that watched it live, but in what I call the legacy viewers. Because I think at, yeah. last time I checked was a while ago, and it was up over 200 views. Had watched it, yeah. Which is more than we've ever had in a and we call it the TIFF meeting. It's, it's more than we've ever had in a, attendance in a TIFF meeting. We've yeah. never had, maybe when we did the joint with Nassau County, maybe we had that many. Yeah. Not even, maybe 100. But the idea that there's a legacy there, and you know, so long as no one has an objection to being recorded, right. you know, it's, a, it's a very useful and effective tool. And we're actually considering it here for some of the programming that's done by the librarians. Because by the way, we could do it. By the way, are you objecting to being recorded right now? Yes. And did we have a release that we had to sign? It's too too late. Article (laughs) 4. Article 4, paragraph 2. I don't want to be recorded. You're already on on the interwebs. (laughs) Oh, no. We're in the inner tubes. The interwebs. What's that that thing over there? Uh, I've seen that somewhere. What? The padcaster? Yeah. You like that, right? You stole that from Merrick. No, not from Merrick. No? No. You you had that? No, that was... um, I got the idea from Stony Brook University, from the Innovation Lab. Oh, okay. So you stole it from them. Yeah, I I bought it. We bought it for the library. It worked great when we streamed. We actually have We could show you. Not that this works for the oh, audio of it. We're going to break it. Can you see? Back. I'm just going to step away from the mic for a second. Let's see if we can get you a better shot of that thing. It's. Uh, looks like an astronaut. Oh, yeah. Look at. Yeah. It's basically an iPad and an aluminum case. With the, and it's all rubberized. And it has the exterior mic and the wide-angle lens. 
Can you so send me the... a really nice job of covering a room, and it actually gives you broadcast quality um, video and audio. Yeah. It really what's, does I a want, nice job. What's it called again? It's a padcaster, right? Padcaster, Padcaster. Yeah. Yeah, I want something to hold our. Uh, what size? Uh, we have iPad Pros here. Is that the twelve point nine inch? That's the nine point seven Pro. Does it? Does the? Do they have one framing for the big one? They do. Okay. That set up. Look that up. That set up with the the mic and the extra lenses was four hundred. Well, so. I just want the case because I think I'm going to use that for my green screen in here because I got a nice little 299 green screen app that, you know, I want an iPad, but I want to just screw it into a tripod so that, you know, kids are used to using iPads nowadays. Just click sure. the button and make it go. And we actually did that uh, this Christmas as part of um, to for holiday spirit. We have a green screen and we had we set it up in the break room and we had the staff come in and take goofy pictures. And we, you know, we, we put all kinds of stuff. We use the green screen app and it worked great. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I, let me ask you one other question, if I can. I'm sure. just curious. Before you started this podcast a year ago, did you do any research to see if there was any similar podcast? Are there any other tech librarians out there doing things like this? I did. I, I scoured um, iTunes, and I found some. But uh, it, it was so... I don't want to say the word boring, because they weren't boring. They were interesting. Boring. <sighs> boring. But there was no. We wanted to be car talk, so they're right, out, like, right, totally. Yeah, that so was our were, inspiration. They, they for They were doing out this. there, but they were like, "All right, now uh, we all just read Microsoft Word 2003. Page four talks about indents on paragraphs." Yes, they were like that's that. true. Like, and they were like that. So on, you need to click on file open. Yeah, right, file. Uh, no, it was slower documents. though. No, don't go so fast. File open. Down. File. <gasps> now open. remember, when you're doing a formula in open. Excel, file open. Back up, shiny. No, so or or the so audio. We said, we was, said car talk. Right, exactly. We, we were like car talk. We're going to be two just complete nut jobs talking about stuff, and go off on crazy wild tangents. And if you've listened to some of our podcasts, they've been. Oh yeah, we make fun of each other. Absolutely, and, you know, that's that's part of it. Yeah. But when we and how has oh good when when I was doing the research into it because this was about I would say about eight months worth of development before I even bought a piece of equipment, I said you know the ones that were. The leading podcasts for this type of discussion, the audio wasn't great. It's you could tell they were using an iPhone yeah, 4s, right? Or they were using you know uh, some lower level um, recording device. But the content was there. The content was interesting, but it was very difficult to listen to. Yeah. And I actually just found a podcast from Ireland, and I don't remember the exact name of the podcast. Um, but and it's it's good. It's a good podcast. It's just that. When you have audio that distracts you from the, from what they're talking about, it takes you out of it. And I'm trying to see if I can. Well, it shouldn't be painful to listen to. Right. You know, just like if you were trying to watch it, if you were trying to watch a video on launching a space shuttle and it was at, you know, 200K and all you could see was grainy pixelated fire, you'd turn it off. So yeah. it's, this, it's the same thing with the audio. Like, your audio is fantastic. Our audio is very good, fantastic. So this is going to be a, you know, a, a good listening experience, even if the content is... Actually, our content's really good, but... Well, we we've have got fun. The best of we just try to have fun, and yeah. that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how has your... Uh, how have you seen your viewership or subscription, or do you track any of that? Is it, yes. I know it's been going for a year. Like, what's, what's, what is it looking like? What's the landscape of your podcast, Russia. podcast well, looking like? Mostly Russia. Uh, no, actually, no. I I check the stats. You know, maybe once a week or so, or maybe a little bit more often. I'm not gonna daily, hourly. 
Um, and right now, I just pulled it up. We're up to fifteen hundred and thirty-nine independent downloads. Yeah. Okay. And we're we've been listened to in twenty-nine different states, and I think six or seven different countries. Has anybody reached out to you after listening to a podcast and want to get in touch? Uh, every once in a while, you get one or two emails asking, uh-huh. you know, about a link or about something somebody said or how to get in con- contact with that person. Um, it, I would like to get more feedback, which we don't get too much of. But I guess you know, it's only been. A little while, and yeah. we're not car talk, so we're getting there. We're trying, we're corny enough. But it's so. Fun. Are you guys? Are you guys one episode a month? Then, if you're at fifteen, sixteen episodes, you started about a year ago. We try to do two a month, but you know, Christmas time comes and and things like that. So you know, sometimes and sometimes it's a matter of trying to find the compelling guests. Like one thing that I like to focus on is because New York is such a dynamic state, and there's so many different regions and and areas that I'm, I'm fascinated with what happens with libraries who are north of Rockland County, New York, and how libraries, the, the services change drastically. And again, mm-hmm. giving a shameless plug for episode two, the Canton Library, oh, uh, which is right by the Canadian border, and how they are in much the same circumstance mm-hmm. that you're in, being in, you know, in Idaho. And I, I find that it's it's baffling that we could be from the state of New York where we have Manhattan and Brooklyn and Long Island and Westchester, and yet we still have places like... A few hours away. Like then. Canton and Ogdensburg and a success story like Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you have some of the western you know counties that I can guarantee you, if I asked any one of the people that are you know in the technology center behind us here at the library... Mm. Um, did you know there was a library, uh, there was a, a county in New York called Wyoming County? They think, right. they think I was crazy, yeah. but there is a Wyoming County in New York. There's such a, a split between upstate New York and downstate New York. Yeah. And mm-hmm. depending on where you live, upstate means a different thing. Like from here on Long Island, most people on Long Island think that, you know, you go north of the Bronx and it's upstate. Whereas people who live in Rockland or um, Dutchess County, they don't think that they're really upstate. They're the Hudson Valley. And there's all these identities in New York State. Yeah. So I, I found it very interesting talking to libraries upstate to see how they do things. Because we're in the same state and we deal with the same government, but yet there are completely different approaches to, to patron service. Yeah, I, I think that's very valuable because I think it's valuable in a sense that, uh, especially you don't know who's you know listening, but uh, I find all the time when if I go and visit a... Um, I go to a conference and a bunch of different type of libraries are representative uh, from academic libraries to big city libraries versus rural libraries. Uh, You know, I sit there and listen with envy to the larger libraries, but I just realized that's just not possible for who we are and what we can do and what we can accomplish based off of staff, budget, um, community, the whole whole nine. So uh, it's nice that you guys are talking to different areas and aspects because, uh, it's nice to know that things are possible, not, you know, in, in smaller situations. Uh, and somebody's like, hey, that's a library like me. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. Well, what I found compelling about, you know, after seeing, well, after drooling, you know, seeing <laughs> that your, your, your studio, I said, well, wow, <clears throat> where is this? And you don't want to, you know, make the, the broad generalization. Well, it's Idaho. So, you know, right. it's always going to be in the middle of nowhere. But there's Boise and there's, there's larger right, places right. In, yeah. in Idaho. It just turned out to be that this is a rural library doing something that's fantastic and amazing. Yeah. And it kind of ties into how we are all doing the same thing 
with different skills and different skill sets and different budgets, but we're still trying to accomplish that same goal, which is helping and serving the patrons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was just a short story of how remote we are. We stayed with somebody in a town. Um, it's a university town. It's where the University of Idaho is, and he's a, a GIS specialist there. And uh, he didn't know where we were from, and we told him we were from Salmon. And he's like, hang on a second. And he ran, and he grabbed one of his GIS maps, and he goes, you know, when I tell my, when I tell my students and I want to point out where the middle of nowhere is, and he shows us this map, and it has population density, and there's this big red dot over Sam, and he goes, that's where you guys are from. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, wow. there's really nothing. So, um, I, yeah, I, I love it. I, I mean, that's kind of one of my secret little goals here is for this sleepy little town to still kind of remain a sleepy little town if people drive through it, but if they spend any time here and you start to kind of unravel uh or peel back the layers of the onion you see things like the studio you see yeah. things you know that are connecting to a larger network of things and people will be like wow this is kind of a little bit of a mecca in here but i still want it from the outside to give off that vibe of um the charm of what the town actually is i think you're a poster library you know, for for if uh, if anyone can do it you know like you did it you did it on a on a really tight budget i mean People spend a thousand bucks in time sitting around a table thinking about a studio like what you built. Yeah, they spent thousand bucks you know, catering their lunch. And to exactly, talk about yeah, for for, yeah. for four meetings, management meetings, talking about building the committee to get the studio going. Yeah, yeah, and, you and, say, hey, we could have a studio and we could add this many more right. patrons, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and so you know, so what you did, I mean, you know, seemingly overnight compared to what what it takes in time. In other places like New York, sure. it takes years. I mean, of development. Yeah, and stuff like I guess that, that started. So. That's true. I wonder when I put up the first panel, but it was probably, I don't know, thank maybe Thanksgiving, maybe you know, somewhere in Christmas. So it's you know, only a three month process. It's been. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, but but, but to I, think to think about you know the no excuses mentality, I, yeah. I love it. Like just keep pushing forward, even if you get a couple millimeters one day, you get a couple feet the next day. Sure. That's that's the way to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. and it hangs over my head until I'm done and then I can move on to the next thing because the problem is that uh, it's you and you alone trying to do this project yeah. and not saying that staff hasn't been supportive and things like that, but I'm the person that kind of knows about yeah. this. So it kind of falls on my shoulders to yeah. uh, steward this process. Mm -hmm. And um, from that, uh, I just want to kind of get it done and share this project with the community and then move on to, you know, something else. And, you know, uh, that's the, Thing. you have to have patience when you're on a shoestring budget you have to have patience when uh you're trying to do something that really hasn't been done here because uh, it always takes a little bit longer than you think i know in your guys minds like wow that's quick but um you know i'd like to have it up and running and move on yeah. uh, but but the libraries that are listening don't have any excuses anymore though jeff because you did it you know well, you, yeah, thank you, you. Guys, I, mean, I mean they, I, they really don't have a shot at making excuses as to why they can't do it because look what you did so I'm sure it's they could well. still come up with something there, Bob. I, you know, well, yeah, you know, you know they need go. they need time to talk more about. Yeah, it. we don't have the space, and you know, we don't have this or yeah. that. You know, and what like Sachem has done here, what Sachem is a, a pioneer in the county, uh, I would I would say across the island with what they're doing with the studio. Nobody's got the setup like they have, and they yeah. did it, they did it quick. Chris, how long how long have you been here? Um, in my current capacity, yeah. Uh, when I went full time, it was September. You know, from Starbucks to here. <laughs> so you know it's the same it's the same type of thing it's you know they hit the ground running they got people on board they didn't really take any excuses they got it done and we see that that's the key to i think a successful um 
podcast or really any project is to have somebody like you, like Chris, uh, with the vision that can carry it forward, that kind of looks at the hurdles, jumps over them, and, and gets it done. And also has buy-in from the director because Neely McKay oh, no, has you been... That. You need that. And in both and cases, Alicia you guys have same, same, same been in wonderful. my case, yeah. yeah in both I cases, need, you guys have buy-in, yeah. Yeah, because you, you do ultimately need somebody above you to trust you to just. Yeah. That's and to trust you and just, yeah, like kind of christen that process, because I'll tell you what, our board of directors uh, isn't the most technologically savvy of group. Um, so there could be a lot of resistance, you know, among that and right. pushback to the director. So you have somebody that is willing to kind of stick up for you and kind of play that buffer and let you do your thing because they know ultimately it's going to. Um, improve the library. That's the key. Right. And sometimes you have to take one step backwards in order to take two steps forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know... It, That's awesome. Yeah. They're doing amazing things over there. What's next? What's next for... Top what's, 10? Yes. That's what's next. So okay. we're going to take a short break. And again, thank you for sharing all of your insights because it, it, it's so valuable um, to see how you know things can get done, regardless of whether you're in a big place, a medium place, or a small place. It, I think it's great. Yeah, it, it, and you deserve all the credit for it because it's it's really what you have there is amazing. And I'm just drooling looking at, between the mic setup and the board setup and everything else. Right. And it's, we want first priority on the schedule when you get it up to do a regular. You know, even if we did them once a quarter. Yeah. This, this is it. You could be like our. Um, I'm trying to think of something that would be comparable to that um i don't know you can be like our quarterly correspondent or guest something. speaker or something like that yeah right? why not yeah i guess so or you guys i don't know what i'll have to guest speak on but maybe there'll be more <laughs> <laughs> you can interview us we'll yeah if you develop a podcast we could be on your podcast yeah. we know the yeah. setup works yeah that's true that's true <laughs> okay we're going to take a short break and when we come back we are going to torture, I mean, ask Jeff our top 10 <laughs> library questions or what we call the 032.02 list. Uh, that's the Dewey number for top 10 lists. And again, we have to say thank you to Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library for the name idea. It's a list of questions that we ask all of our guests. So we will be right back after a short break. Okay, we're back speaking with Jeff Stratter. No L. Yeah. No L. Stratter. Jeff Stratter. No I, Stratter. Oh, I mess up everybody's name. I'm terrible at this. Oh, you're good. Jeff Noel Stratter. From, from the Samic Public Library. Salmon Public Library. You want me to do it? And why don't you go ahead. Yeah, Maybe it's been it. too much reading for you. I, I'm just still floored by the microphones. Right, we're back speaking with Jeff Stratter from the Salmon Public Library in Salmon, Idaho. He'll be our next participant in the 032 list, right? Yes. 032 list, which corresponds with the Dewey number for top 10 lists. The list is a top 10 list of library-related questions. Do I have to read the whole thing? I'll read the next part. You want to read the next part? I'll get it. Oh, I think I can survive. All right, if you do the... I flood this one, too. So, okay. The questions uh, from our top 10 list were inspired by the, the website Literary Hub, 
which is a website with very interesting library-related stories and interviews. You can see their work by li- visiting www.lithub.com, their Twitter feed at, at LitHub, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelithub. Please visit their site and social media. They curate stories and articles that are of interest to anyone in the library world. Thank you, Literary Hub. Love the Literary Hub. Yes. You want to start? You can start the questions. I can? You can. Jeff. Are they, are they, is this the lightning round? Is this is the lightning fire? round. Yes, it's kind of like that. For all the money to spin the wheel. Number one, what did you want to be when you were a child? I, I think my earliest memory is that I wanted to be a paleontologist. That's pretty cool. Eh? He's in a good place for yeah. it now. Absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? Um, I don't know who brought me there. I suspect my mom. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a first memory, but I have memories of a uh, blinking green dot on a computer screen. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Monochrome. <laughs> yeah. Using, um, using the copier for 10 cents a copy a lot to copy for book reports. That's what I remember from the library. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of covered this, but it's a great question. When did you decide to work uh, in a library? And if it wasn't your first career path, we find, we find it wasn't a lot of folks' first career path. Um, so kind of where did you go from? Where were you first before you went into libraries? Oh, where was I first? Yeah, so I'll cover it again. I was just working in post-production in um, audio. Uh, when did I decide to work in a library? I guess when I showed up to Salmon and didn't do anything for a month, and I was like, I better do something. When the wife got a job in Idaho, right? That's the answer. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't want to feel like a complete useless person. I can't just fish every day. <laughs> That's right. So this is an interesting question that we like to ask people, and sometimes people are stumped and other people jump right on it and they'll write the answer. Um, I know his answer. Who is your favorite I, fictional I librarian? Fishing every day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you know I, str- I, I read this on your script, and I'm like, ah, man, I don't know. The this first thing that good. came to mind, and I don't know your guys' gamut for range of fictional librarians, but I was always been a, uh, and I don't even know the person's name, but uh, the librarian, I'm, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and there was a librarian. Oh, yeah. Seinfeld really? He was the about. librarian, right? Yeah. He was collecting right, so. the book from George yes, and, uh, and Jerry. Right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great. That's we haven't what, had that one that's yet. That's a great episode. That's a too. great one. That's yeah. a fantastic episode. Okay, Bob, you're. Up. He's got the dragnet hat on and everything. That's I right. Remember, that's I remember right. all. Oh, that. yeah, oh, it's terrific. The so book this, cop. this is the question I think I know the answer to. So, what would you be doing if you were not working in a library? And my answer for you is fishing all day. No, not I just fishing. recently got into fishing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, if I, if I really like, I'm not trying to be funny or I'm trying to be like honest. Um, and this is part of what I'm doing at the studio. Uh, it would be doing something creative, creating something. And this is part of the studio. It's, yes, it's my background, but I, I got to create it and make it. And um, whatever that looks like, as far as if I don't have that creative outlet, whether it's creating a podcast or creating, it could be technology or it can be yeah. not technology, but doing something creative. Okay, so what's your favorite section of the library? Um, any library or our library? Your library. Well, the studio, of course. Of course. It's <laughs> uh, uh, a loaded question. And isn't it funny how this, this question kind of has morphed and transformed into, oh, I like the religion section or I like right, the right. history yeah. section. Now it's, yeah. oh, I like the technology that we're right. working what, what, with. What spot yeah. in the library. Right. right. Yeah. And so I turned from which section, like Dewey Decimal Number, right. to, to which section, section, like right. what fiction, yeah. physical section. Yeah, that's right. And that's just it for me. It's the physical space in any library, because that's my number one 
thing. If I'm in a town now, I always pop in and check out the library. Isn't that funny? Steal, yeah. We all do that. All my best That's ideas so from. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm always drawn to physical space, like utilization of physical space yeah. and something that looks interesting. And I, unfortunately, our studio is a little tucked away in the back and you wouldn't stumble upon it unless you knew it was there. But, mm. um, you know, I want a, I want a nice on air sign that sits out from the oh, door that people right. could flick. Uh, those are quite expensive, though. That would be almost like half the budget of this entire room. I yeah, built. but so you I can DIY find... it. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Get I'm a can DIY. of spray paint and some masking tape and a piece of yeah. plexiglass. I want it to really slick out our library at one point, too. I know we're going off topic, but I want it to have a little um, uh, LCD display outside the room that was like a open, vacant booking app that people could just kind of come up and touch screen and, you know, book themselves in the room. But that didn't really pan out. That's cool. We actually have something like that. Do you? Yeah, yeah, we have we have an iPad that's in in our the quote unquote, our makerspace called the studio. Yeah. Where you uh, you you can check in. It's like a self check in yeah. thing. We're actually I just realized that's too expensive for our library to waste a, an iPad just sitting there like that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jeff, if you had an infinite space and an infinite budget, what would you add to the library? Um. I, I already have this vision and I'm working towards it currently. Um, either utilizing our old library space or utilizing another building. I wouldn't build onto this building anymore because I think it functions just properly the way it is, but I would uh, renovate a, a building and create a full on yeah, tech maker space. Um, both melding kind of old school artisan crafts that we have here really in town. Like we have great iron workers and welders and leather workers and kind of mix that in. And we have a lot of quilters and things like that. Mix that in with some of the um, e-technology that's going on. I think that would just be a, a blow people's minds and, and it would really bridge the gap, the generational gap that we have in this community between um, uh, the senior population and the youth. That's great. Yeah, definitely. What do you love about your library? The thing I, I, besides that it's new, and this is a weird one, why, what I love about our library, I love that it's not a quiet library. Um, Bravo to that's that. That's a good answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. I, I, I've, I've been, I even stole a sticker from a Montana library that I went up and visited, and uh, it's this bumper sticker that says, done being quiet, and I just put it on the front of our circ desk computer, uh, and I still get people. I got somebody last summer just being like, have you ever been outside of Salmon? Don't you know what libraries are like? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, that's like, why they're not like they're, that here. They're, yeah. they're no longer quiet. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is the weirdest thing that has happened in your library? Wow. Since we're so new, it's uh, hard to say, and I'm so new. Uh, just another couple of weeks ago, it's not a great incident, but so our janitorial service person went into the bathroom after one morning and it was full of blood and that was really not good or weird and Ew. we don't really have a definitely weird. A, we don't have a resolution for that and it was an excessive <laughs> amount of blood too like um you know i don't know like a maybe body. i just maybe maybe i just talked about something i shouldn't have talked yeah, like about. a body yeah. nearby type of blood. yes right? exactly <laughs> that was interesting that was weird i guess Wow. We're going to keep track of that, that weird thing happening over in Salmon. <laughs> when we do the follow-up, yeah. So how's I the... Was, uh, I think somebody recently had visited from Long Island, New York. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you ratted us out. Thanks oh, a lot, Jay. Nice. <laughs> okay, so who is your favorite regular patron? I'm putting my oh, fingers gosh. up. Don't we regular. Have, don't we have all... Yeah, don't we have all of those? I have regulars every morning. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> They're waiting at the door, I, right? Aren't they waiting at the door? 
Yeah, probably. They're probably waiting to get in tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a gentleman that uh, he frequents, well, most of them frequent the bakery in here, and um, hmm. he comes in, he does digital art, and he has his, his, you know, he's very particular about the way he does things and checks out his Chromebook, sets it up on the same amount of books every day and sits in the same spot and does his anime drawings, and it's, yeah, he's the best. I learned, I learned cool. more from that guy than anybody. Anime in Idaho. Yeah. That's amazing. Is he, is he good? Yeah, he's a pretty good uh, uh, painter. Um, and he, he just tells, he's one of those guys that, like, if you just listen to him, you're like, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But then, like, if you really listen to him, you're like, he this knows guy's exactly really smart. Know. <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> right. You're like, he's really, like, has a lot of time to listen to this stuff and become educated about it. Wow, that's cool. So uh, I guess the last question, and I think my favorite, is um, what are people without library cards missing out on? You're not going to like my answer. Really? My answer is, at least for our library, nothing. We, we try to service um, everybody, whether you have a library card or not, i.e. you can still rent out our meeting room space. You can come into the studio and use it. We have a bookstore that you can. Oh, I love that. Uh, you, yeah. you can just swap uh, paperback books and don't need to, you know, it's a paperback exchange and or donate and take some books uh, with you. Wow. Um, we try to offer all our computers. You don't need to be a patron to use. So most of our services, um, you know, aside from checking out a book or an ebook, um, you know, you can just come in and use, which I, I, I kind of love. Yeah. That's a good point. So, that is a very good point. That's yeah. a very small town, too. Yeah. Did I win the $25,000? I think you did. You stumped us. <laughs> yeah. We're, like, we're like, wow. Spin the wheel. That was good. Better well, than Plinko. Better than Plinko. I was just thinking about Plinko, too. Yeah, so there's a, you know, a new I, show I had a friend grow up that played Plinko. Really? Really? Like, like on The Price is Right. Like the real Plinko. The real Plinko. And did he win like the I car, think. and then he couldn't pay the taxes on the car, and then he lost the car? No, Plinko, that's the best, because he got the one game where you just win straight cash. Yeah, that's cool. Like that back in the sweet. day, and I'm like, man, that's you crazy. got the best game. I think you won really like, cool. I don't know, 4000 bucks or something. That's not bad. Hey, back then. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Well... Thank you for being such a great sport and answering our silly list of questions. And, you know, it's, it's great having That's you on this right. podcast. Yeah, this, this has been awesome. amazing. I like this. You know, and we, we're going to give the plugs. Check out Salmon Public Library's website at salmonlibrary.org, uh, on Twitter at, at salmonpubliclib, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash salmonpubliclibrary. And we'll have um, links to the video uh, that we did today with, with Jeff. And uh, pictures of the studio and, uh, you know, all the links for his social media and all the other great stuff going on and with Sam. The live webcam feed, 24-hour access. Is, yeah. it's a, That's it's not in there? 24 hours. You use up all your bandwidth. That's how we have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Live webcam feed. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a giraffe giving birth over there or something? Oh, we might. That's great. We have, yeah, I we have a couple that. cows giving birth right now. That's terrific. Oh, that's wonderful. Cool. Wow. So this was really great. Thanks for coming uh, on, Jeff. I think it's fantastic. No, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out via Twitter. I love yeah. the power of Twitter. Yes, exactly. That is really, really great. So that's all the time we have for this edition. And if you have any questions or comments on the show, go to the contact us section of the website at thelibrarypros.com, where we'll also have notes and links from all of our episodes. And you can also check us out on Twitter at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Library Pros. And if you don't Want to miss a thing? Don't forget to subscribe to our RSS, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play feeds. 
And remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and Jeff. And Jeff. And not those of the Sachin Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, the Salmon Public Library, or any other library. Absolutely. We will see you next time. Peace out. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Cristofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.